Hello everybody and welcome to podcast number 33. Today I have with me an Irish actor, writer, comedian and stand-up comedian. She's one of Ireland's top female stand-ups, having reached the final of Funny Funny competition after just her third gig. She started gigging all over Ireland in clubs such as the International and the Laughter Lounge. She reached the semi-finals of the National New Act competition, So You Think You're Funny, held at the Edinburgh Festival in 2014. Appears regularly on RTE, TG4, BBC Northern Ireland and BBC Radio 4. She was one of the resident compares at the International Comedy Club in Dublin and performed alongside the likes of Sean Hughes, Reginald D. Hunter, Ardell O'Hannon, Dylan Moran, Johnny Vegas, the list goes on. She's performed in various festivals with sellout shows in Edinburgh Festival in 2019. Welcome, Aidy McQueen. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. She's oh, great. Thank you for joining us. Now, that was quite a list of accolades I've just introduced you with. And it sounds like you've been living the dream. But I understand life wasn't always that great. So tell us, who is Aidy McQueen and what was your journey into comedy? Well, let me see. So I suppose... I always thought of myself as funny. At school, I wasn't very good at making small talk or talking about Home and Away, which is a big program at the time, or Boyfriends, because I didn't have one until I was 19. But I was able to make people laugh, and that's my defence mechanism. And I remember going to second... I went from a very small primary school in the countryside to a tough secondary school, you know, a big one, and it was all girls, so it could have been that tough. Although girls can be tough. But um, I remember being really intimidated and then nobody really paid much attention to me. I seemed like a nerd. And then one day I came into school having t- grabbed my jumper, my school uniform jumper from the line outside, not noticing that there was a peg still attached to the back. And um, somebody noticed that and they started taking the piss out of me. So I just rolled with it. And I put the peg on my nose and then I spent the whole time in class putting the peg different places and everyone was laughing and the teachers were angry with me. And I was like, this is great. I can get loads of attention from this. So I kept trying to be funny. Not trying to be funny, I just enjoyed it. And people would always say to me, you should be a comedian. I'd be like, no, I shouldn't be. But I I'd, I'd, would have loved to. But it took me years and years before I did anything on stage. Um, I used my hometown of Kilkenny. They have a festival called the Cats Laugh Festival, which is a really big comedy festival. And me and my little sisters used to volunteer for that when we were teenagers in our early 20s. We'd be running around, you know, getting Ardlo Han and Apple. I remember I had to do that once or getting shares sorted or trying to find drunk comedians who'd gone missing. And I loved comedy. And at that age, I got to see loads of really good acts that I wouldn't have normally seen, like Dylan Moran or... Um, Bill Bailey, um, Louis C.K., um, Mark Maron, people like that. So I always had a love for comedy and an appreciation of it that I mightn't have gotten if I hadn't had this festival in my town. And then I became friends with a comedian called Eleanor Tiernan. I don't know if you know of her, but she's a very successful, very good comedian. And she encouraged me to do an open mic. And I was like, oh, no, Eleanor, I couldn't. But I was delighted. And I did my first open mic about seven years ago, and I was terrible. But I got just enough laughs to want to continue doing it. So I kept doing it and kept doing it and bit by bit. You know, it wasn't instant, certainly. And I've still got a long way to go into where I want to be comedic wise. But uh, I just I was determined. I loved it. I kept going. I didn't let no laughter put me off, which is very important if you want to do comedy. 
and um, bit by bit I started getting more paid gigs you know more recognition and the likes of that yeah so that's how it happened oh well that was really good um now you've obviously gone through all the comedians and everything that um inspired you earlier you went off to university college in Cork and attained a BA in music and alongside your comedy you're working as a music teacher in a primary school I was yeah fair play you've done your research yeah. I don't know where you found that out but I was um yeah I was teaching uh, full-time for years and then when the comedy got more and more I started to, I gave up my permanent job which my mother was not impressed by but look it's happened and then, then I started teaching substitute teaching and then doing comedy as much as I could so that was great that was happening until the pandemic and then of course you know I can't teach at the moment but um you know and that's when I kind of went oh why did I give up my permanent job all my teacher friends now have their full pay and I'm just sitting there but I got other work I got different kinds of work I got teaching online and I work helping an autistic man now as well so as a care assistant so I've, I've managed to keep my head up out of water as long as well as doing some zoom gigs and things like that and some writing jobs on your list of things you can play you can play the glockenspiel guitar harmonica harp keyboard penny whistle tin whistle violin and xylophone oh that's an incredible amount did you come from a musical family yeah well i came from a family where music was really encouraged um my grandparent my grandmother played the melodeon and my granduncle played music at dances but um my dad and mother weren't particularly musical but they really loved music and they would they would get us to play um, my dad taught me how to play music by ear so he would be like don't read the notes that the teacher gives you at school just play it and this, in ireland it's really musical country like so we, there used to be an exam in if you wanted to be a primary school teacher you had to ha do, pass the singing test so all my teachers are good at singing now they've gotten rid of that but a lot of our, our school work is done through music and we did an awful lot of music at school as well so yeah it was all around i'm not like amazing at it I'm good enough to teach in primary school. I wouldn't teach secondary school music and I can't read music. So I'm musical, but I'm not a very musically literate, but I, I have enough to get by, like. So do you think you'll have actually made it once you've got a set or a song based on a tractor? Because all the songs in, in Ireland seem to involve tractors. You've got okay. <laughs> yeah. maybe, um, maybe from the 90s, yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should work on that. That's a good tip. Thank you. <laughs> so um, going back to your teenage years, I understand that things took a downturn. Really, um, I suppose, yeah, I did. I did have a problem with alcohol and um, comedy in a way replaced that because you have something to do in the evening times other than drink. It's quite addictive. You want the next joke, the next gig, the next there's always something so it is a good replacement and I suppose it suits the alcoholic mind as well because you just want more and more and more and comedy is about instant gratification like you can go and write a book or you can go and write a song if you play a song everyone will clap at the end because they have to but comedy is the only medium where you go you can think something in the morning and then you can go on stage in the evening time to test it out and you'll get instant feedback that second so it is a great one for the addictive personality and I suppose a lot of comedians I know are alcoholics now, a lot of them don't know it, but an awful lot of them have stopped drinking and stopped using drugs and go, you know, have done work on themselves. And so there's a little network of support for all the people that say, oh, how can you do comedy and not drink? It must be so difficult going into bars every night. It's like there's usually another comedian on the bill that doesn't drink either, actually. 
you know so well not always but a good 80 percent of the time because they either know that they can't do comedy and drink at the same time or they know that they might have a bit of a problem with it so yeah it does go hand in hand i suppose and the recovery is possible said i used to think i was hilarious even after two drinks but if you leave if i listen back to some recordings and i was like this is awful i was having a great time the audience weren't so i would recommend anyone who's starting off in comedy don't use alcohol as a crutch don't feel that you need a drink before going on stage because that can go to more and more and more and more and you're not actually quicker funnier it's like the way people think oh i can speak french when i've had a pint um, no, you can't. You, you can't. You can achieve anything in your sober brain that you can in your drunk brain and more. So okay. that's me preaching a bit. So apologies. If you're a normal drinker, you can drink away. But if you think you've a little bit of a dependency on it, be careful when it comes to comedy. What I'm gonna I'm gonna move back to happy places now for you. So what was actually like with? I mean, you've played alongside the great. You've Sean Hughes is amazing. Ardella Hannon, Dylan Moran, Johnny Vegas. How did it feel? exciting and you're you don't know whether to be like i'm your colleague and all cool or oh my god i'm such a fan can i have a photo so um you i kind of teach her between the two i'll just be all really cool and professional like yeah i'm like just like you dylan warren and then afterwards i'm like can i have your photo and sending it to my mother yeah it's really good fun and you really feel like why wow, i've come up another step and watching those comedians live you can tell wow that's why they're so successful because often people kind of go oh Dara Breen, he's not that good, or your man is just famous because he's got this. You know, people will, t- but you can't really be a successful comedian without having the ability to pay- make people laugh. I, found, I remember with Dylan Warren, what I was really struck by was he really listens to you. You know, he observes, he's an observational comedian, but you can see he takes everything he, he observes. He asked me loads of questions, you know, really interested in me as a person. And I've heard that from other people as well that he just takes everything in, which is really nice. And I've noticed that about the really good comedians, they'll watch the other acts, no matter who they are, and they'll take everything in and they're interested in you. They're not always having the banter and trying to get the jokes in. They, they seem, they, they're taking a lot in, they're learning. So yeah, that's, that was a good observation to make and to kind of uh, maybe adopt a bit myself. So for new people, new comedians out there who were thinking, yes, one day I would like to be, um, at the top of my game I mean you are one of Ireland's funniest women which is fantastic amazing so for new comedians just starting out what tips would you give to them I would say especially for women don't get discouraged early doors if you're really passionate about it then keep doing it because it's more it's it's, in the end of the day a lot of really good comedians stop after a few gigs because they think oh there's no point and you might have a bit of beginner success because you're cute and people know that you're starting off and they'll laugh and then you get actually better but there's less feedback coming from the audience because they're like they're 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 more judgmental of you being confident is important and being yourself now being yourself is really difficult to be on stage it's a lot of, it seems it's easy to say it it's difficult to do it I think maybe observe what you, you know, observe how you are when you're with your mates and when you're making your mates laugh. And if you try to bring that energy to stage, that's really good. Um, I think, yeah, a lot of men have that slightly autistic streak where they'll just gig and gig and gig and gig and consume comedy and consume comedy and consume comedy. And that's possibly why there's more men doing it than women. Women, of course, have more varied interests and more maybe responsibilities. So we tend to stop a bit earlier and not put all this 
psychotic energy and towards it. So I say women, don't be put off and surround yourself with other female comedians that you like. Because if you surround yourself with loads of boys doing dick jokes or early stages, then you'll start to do comedy like them. And it's not it's not authentic. So I would say to, to female comedians, surround yourself with other female comedians, watch female comedians that are ahead of you and try to keep in a network of female comedians so that you're bolstering yourself rather than going to an open mic where there's you and eight guys on, the MC is a guy and they're all laughing at in-jokes. You know, so you, you don't start designing your comedy to please open mic comedians. You're starting to design your comedy to please other female comedians and a female audience and a mixed audience, really. I'm not saying that she should only be hanging around with women, but I made the mistake of hanging around with male comedians, doing loads of male centric gigs. And then my material became like almost like a teenage boys, you know, it wasn't um, particularly authentic to me, but I was making these guys laugh. So be careful of that, I'd say. You've also, also if you're funny in real life, then you'll be funny on stage, I suppose. And although that's not fair to say as well, because there's a few different kind of comedians. There's those who are like the class clown, a great crack, and they're funny in the moment. And often they'll be very good MCs. But they can be good comedians as well. Then there's people who you might never think would be a comedian. And then they write the most fantastic jokes. And so they they can be great as well. So there's different types. There's writer comedians and there's performer comedians. And then there's those who are so lucky and have both. So kind of know where you are maybe and be proud of it. You've done some sketches as well, and there's you've got a YouTube channel with some really good ones uh, in which you've done quite recently as well. Do you see yourself in the future as perhaps going into the sitcom sketch kind of Victoria Wood type shows? I'd love to. I'd love to. I've yet to have a viral hit, though. So if anyone's out there listening, you can go and check out my YouTube channel and like and share as much as you can. Yeah, of course, I'd love to do that. I think that would be great fun. Um, you know, I like writing with people. I like performing with people. So that would be amazing. I'd love it. So you could end up writing your own sitcom at one point. In the I think future. everybody tries to. I've already tried to. And the most, but from, you know, how many sitcoms are there on really on TV? Very, very few. So I don't, I can't rely on it. Graham, is there anything that you'd like to ask Aideen? Um, yes, Aideen. So do you actually continue to do singing? Uh, or, or is it something you're, you'd like? Are you likely to mix that with a, a stage act or a musical stage act? Yeah. I, when I started off, I was a musical comedian, and I used to do songs. And then early on, I got so intimidated. I had one bad gig, and I packed it in. And then it was all the problem bringing the guitar everywhere and stuff like that. Because if a song isn't going down well, you're committed to another three minutes of silence. You know. So I, I stopped it. But I recently started bringing it back in zoom gigs because it's quite good for zoom gigs and it's had a great reaction and so i'm, I'm definitely going to continue that and i've written a few songs so yeah it is back the bitch is back <laughs> <laughs> the quote from the 80s if i've ever heard one thank you okay um Aideen, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you a real pleasure and we look forward to seeing you um down with us one day soon and absolutely i'd love it yeah, absolutely lovely to talk to you as well thank you so much thank you again together or we gig together soon yeah that'd be really cool, be cool. Medium term. i don't say in the short term anymore because there's no short term anymore anyway take care and thank you so much for joining us thank you listeners for listening bye